Good morning, good morning, Monday morning. I hope everybody's having a great Monday morning this morning. Um, today is June 19th. It's Juneteenth. And uh, uh, for those of you on Facebook Live, I have a new mug, uh, a Juneteenth mug that I got over the weekend. There are several Juneteenth events that uh, I attended. Uh, what I'm doing right now, as I normally do, is uh, look at my computer setup here. I have uh, multiple computers going at the same time to bring you this Facebook Live. Believe it or not, it's uh, it's quite a quite a feat. So uh, what you can't see behind the the, the camera that you're looking at uh, there on Facebook Live, there's a lot a lot of technology in front of me that I have to keep my eyes on and that I keep, uh, believe it or not, um, managing. So uh, Juneteenth, today is Juneteenth. Uh, it is a federal holiday and there's a little bit of information that I think uh, you might not uh, know about. Uh, today I do have um, a mug, as usual, a mug. I, I'm, I'm slowly getting a lot of mugs and, and losing my, uh, my cabinet space, but I have a Juneteenth mug today. So today is Juneteenth. Uh, I got a Juneteenth mug over the weekend. As I said, there's a lot of festivities with regards to Juneteenth um, in, in the area. I went to Naperville and Aurora had a wonderful, wonderful celebration. So what is Juneteenth? A lot of people might um, not know what Juneteenth is, uh, just hear about it, don't really look into it, and uh, doesn't really understand or um, aware of what Juneteenth is. So Juneteenth. It's officially called Juneteenth National Independence Day. It is a federal holiday in the whole United States and it commemorates the emancipation of enslaved African-Americans. So it derives its name from combining June and 19th. Uh, it's a little bit obvious, but in case you didn't know, combining June and 19th, and it's celebrated on the anniversary of the order by Major General Gordon Granger, proclaiming freedom for enslaved people in Texas on June 19th, 1865. Now, the reason why this is significant is because this is a full two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation was issued. Um, individuals in Texas, enslaved individuals in Texas, were not aware, were not informed of the Emancipation Proclamation and were still enslaved for two and a half years after that. So Major General Gordon Granger proclaimed freedom for enslaved people in Texas on June 19th, 1865. So it originated in Galveston. Juneteenth has since been observed annually in various parts of the United States, often broadly celebrated, uh, predominantly in African-American culture, but now it is a, a national holiday. The day was first recognized as a federal holiday in 2021. So 2021, when President Joe Biden signed the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act into law. Now, uh, many individuals might not know this, but Juneteenth became the first new federal holiday since Martin Luther King Day was adopted in 1983. So this is the first new federal holiday is Juneteenth. So uh, celebrations go back to 1866, first involving church-centered community gatherings in Texas. They spread across the South, became more uh, organized, commercialized in the 20s and 30s. Uh, often centering on a food festival. So uh, definitely participants of the Great Migration uh, brought these celebrations to the rest of the country. During the Civil Rights Movement of the 1960s, the celebrations were eclipsed by the nonviolent determination to achieve civil rights. They grew in popularity in 1970s with a focus on African-American freedom and African-American arts. And then beginning with Texas by proclaiming in 1938 and by legislation in 1979, every U.S. state and the District of Columbia had formally recognized the holiday in some way on the state level. And um, definitely uh, a, a quick fact, Juneteenth is also celebrated by the Mescagos, descendants of Black Seminoles who escaped from slavery in 1852 and settled in 
Chihula, Mexico as well. That's a little fun fact uh, there as, um, as we celebrated Juneteenth. It is the longest running African-American holiday. It has also been called America's second Independence Day. Uh, so, and it is celebrated on the third Saturday in June. So, uh, but this year, this year was no, uh, no difference. We celebrated it on uh, June 17th. Again, there were um, events in Naperville and events in Aurora that I went to. And I know that there are other events throughout the state that other individuals um, participated in. So today is Juneteenth day. As a federal holiday, uh, banks are closed, offices are closed, my office is closed today officially. And so um, if you have other, other things that you have to do today, uh, make sure that uh, that it's not um, closed due to Juneteenth, but I think mostly it affects the banks and, and uh, state and government offices today. So happy Juneteenth to all. Yesterday was Father's Day, as many of you know. I hope uh, that you all had a wonderful Father's Day um, with, uh, if you have your father with you or remembering your father, um, my dad died 10 years ago. Uh, so um, if, if they're with you, if they're not with you, or if you uh, honor a father figure in your life, however, however you celebrated Father's Day, I hope it was a great day. That was yesterday. Now, going back on information with regards to the month of June, further last week was Flag Day. Uh, Flag Day is celebrated on June 14th. It doesn't matter what day of the week it falls on, June 14th. It commemorates the adoption of the flag of the United States on June 14th, 1777. This was done by a resolution of the Second Continental Congress. So the flag re resolution passed on June 14th, 777, stated resolved that the flag of the 13 United States be 13 stripes, alternate red and white, that the union be 13 stars, white in a blue field, representing a new constellation. Also on that date, the United States Army celebrated the United States Army birthday. So the Congress adopted the American Continental Army after reaching a consensus position and the Committee of the Whole on June 14th, 1775. So uh, happy birthday to the Army. But going back to Flag Day, on uh, 1916, believe it or not, President Woodrow Wilson issued a proclamation that officially established June 14th as Flag Day. On August 3rd, 1949, National Flag Day was established by an act of Congress. Flag Day is not an official federal holiday. However, it is in the official statute as Flag Day. It is the president's discretion to officially proclaim the observance of Flag Day if they so choose. On June 14, 1937, Pennsylvania became the first U.S. state to celebrate Flag Day as a state holiday. Beginning in the town of Rennerdale, New York Consolidated Laws designated the second Sunday in June as Flag Day a state holiday. So just a, another fact, the oldest continuing Flag Day parade is in Fairfield, Washington. It began in 1909. Some think it began in 1910. Fairfield has held a parade every year since with the possible exception of 1918 and 2020. 1918 was the flu, 2020 was COVID-19. And it celebrated the Continental Parade in 2010 along with some other commemorative events. Appleton, Wisconsin claims to be the oldest National Flag Day parade in the nation, held annually since 1950. So uh, there's some, uh, some uh, fun facts with regards to Flag Day. Quincy, Massachusetts has had an annual Flag Day parade since 1952, and it claims to be the longest running parade of its kind in the United States. So there's a little bit of nuances in there. The largest Flag Day Parade, the largest, has been held annually in Troy, New York until 2017, which based its parade on the Quincy Parade and typically drew in 50,000 spectators. In addition, the Three Oaks Michigan Flag Day Parade 
is held annually on the weekend of Flag Day and is a three-day event that claims to have the largest Flag Day parade in the nation, as well as the oldest. So there's a little bit of uh, competition there with regards to Flag Day, observance of Flag Day, uh, and, and with regards to parades of Flag Day. Uh, so I thought that was quite interesting tidbits, facts of uh, dates in June. We talked about uh, last week, uh, Women Veterans Day is June 12th. And uh, so we talked about that in length last week. I won't repeat it again in this uh, segment. June is also a post-traumatic stress disorder awareness day or awareness month. Um, uh, some people call it post-traumatic stress injury, which is what I prefer. Uh, the clinical definition is still post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, that is um, pretty much the official, the official title that it is given. So it's awareness month. And, and while I work a lot in the veteran sphere with post-traumatic stress, post-traumatic stress affects a lot of individuals as well. Uh, trauma, childhood trauma, um, you know, uh, sexual assault trauma, physical trauma, mental trauma. The trauma affects the brain in in various ways. And what we're finding is that um, preventative medicine, and we talked about this at the state has passed some mental health bills preventatively. If if you get mental health wellness checks, you don't have to be in crisis. Uh, sometimes life in general is stressful. And uh, we see a lot of increases, uh, increase in teen suicide, increase in, in veteran suicide, um, increase just overall. Um, life can be stressful. And it's, it's important to be preventative in, in all avenues, physical health and mental health. So post-traumatic stress can mean um, can mean really anything. I realize it's it's really affiliated with veterans, and and it should not be. Uh, veterans do uh, have, um, and some veterans, not all veterans, but there are some veterans that do deal with post traumatic stress. Understandable, and and it, and and uh, we work with them, and the VA works with them. But post traumatic stress can come from <clears throat> a, a traumatic event. If you're in a car accident, that's traumatic. That can have lingering post-traumatic stress. If you're in a, a, a situation that's um, really threatening, that can lead to some post-traumatic stress. Uh, again, if uh, anything, anything um, really can and could affect um, our the way that the brain processes things, and so. Uh, Really, it's important, and and I'm I'm pausing a little bit, but it's it's really is important to be preventative. Um, the death of a family member, the death of a you know we just talked about Father's Day, the death of a father, the death of a mother, the traumatic death of a sibling, or or somebody close to you, a friend. I've seen that on Facebook, people mourning the tragic um, passing, the the sudden passing, the shock that comes with uh with these traumatic events can really affect the way your brain processes information in the future. So post-traumatic stress is, is something that we're trying, it's awareness month. Um, I'm trying to dispel this myth. The first myth is that it only affects veterans. It does affect some veterans, some veterans, not, not all, some veterans. It affects some individuals. It affects some children. It affects um, individuals, the way that they view things, their anxiety level increases. Um, and they, they might not understand it. I remember talking to an individual and and he his heart would start racing and certain things would happen and, and he didn't quite understand what was going on, couldn't sleep at night until he got a diagnosis that he had post-traumatic stress. He didn't realize that those... Uh, those symptoms led to post-traumatic stress. Um, depression and feeling down can be tried to stress. Uh, what we're finding is stress in children. A lot of individuals say, oh, 
uh, kids are so resilient. They're actually not. They're actually not. It, this trauma and the stress gets buried. And sometimes it doesn't really get addressed until teenage years while they're acting out or, or bad choices in adulthood. So um, post-traumatic stress can manifest itself in many different ways. And so let's bring awareness to it. Let's talk about some mental health checkups. You don't have to be in crisis to talk to a mental health professional. That's a fallacy. You can be perfectly um, adjusted in life. And there's some stressors. Everybody has some stressors. The key is to get a mental health checkup. Talk about these small stressors because then they wouldn't build to larger stressors or, um, or could talk about why these stresses are in your life today could potentially be tied to some traumatic event that you might not even recall uh, back in your past. So post-traumatic stress disorder is the official term. Uh, I tend to prefer post-traumatic stress injury because it is an injury. And with proper attention, you can get um, assistance with that injury. But also um, definitely uh, look at some preventative mental health techniques. Go talk to somebody just about what's going on in your life today. Uh, it doesn't hurt. It provides a baseline so that if you're a little stressed later on, you already have a relationship with somebody you trust and you are working with. So what else is going on since I'm in the announcement phase? In the announcement phase, those of you that are watching on Facebook Live, good morning, good morning, Audie. Um, Thank you. She says uh, the color is a really good color on me. I'm wearing green for those of you that aren't watching uh, that might be listening later. So good morning to Audie and Bonnie and Gay and Brooke. Good morning to everybody who is tuning in this morning. So a little bit of information since uh, we're, we're kind of on the announcements information uh, part today is uh, Medicaid. If you are on Medicaid, so during COVID-19, um, we suspended what was called redeterminations. They determine every year if you, um, based on certain criteria, still qualify for Medicaid or not. Again, Medicaid is run concurrently with Medicare. Medicaid is the state portion of it. Medicare is the federal portion of it. The state pays for Medicaid and then gets reimbursed about 50% from the federal government. So if you are currently a Medicaid member, you need to update your information. And there's a couple, couple ways to do it. You can go online, medicaid.illinois.gov. You can go online to that secure website, medicaid.illinois.gov. You can call 877-805-5312, Monday through Friday, 7.45 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. So definitely those are two avenues that you can go. So um, what happened is, is, is we need to take steps. So the Illinois Department of Healthcare and Family Services runs the Medicaid program. We need to take the steps to prepare for the end of the federal COVID-19 public health emergency. As I said, all these things ended. So as the policy changes, uh, HFS, which is Healthcare Family Services, will again be conducting what I just said, redeterminations to ensure Medicaid recipients continue to meet eligibility requirements. So you should be getting information to you as a Medicaid member. It's important that your contact information is up to date. So you're getting this redetermination information. You got to make sure that you can receive it and that your information is up to date. You will risk losing your Medicaid if you do not update your address with the Illinois Medicaid system. And then Illinois Medicaid will send you paperwork. So it's very important. Again, you can call 877-805-5312 or you can go to medicaid.illinois.gov. So that's, uh, that's a really important segment of the community of the um, Individuals are seniors, uh, disabled individuals, uh, individuals that qualify for Medicaid. Please update your information. Another thing, I know that we are in June uh, and uh, there's only about two weeks left of June. I can't believe it. The summer is going exceptionally fast, exceptionally fast. 
But if you are interested in going to the a park, um, we do have what is called passes, general admission passes for residents of the 84th district. Each representative gets these park passes, a uh, maximum of four visitors and um, certain venues participate in these programs. So uh, if you are planning on going to any of these areas, any of these museums in the, uh, over the summer and the fall, you know, throughout the year, uh, you need to let us know, lead to, need to let my office know, um, preferably at least, at least two weeks in advance, if not earlier than that. And uh, the participating venues is the Adler Planetarium, the Art Institute of Chicago, Brookfield Zoo, Chicago Botanical Garden, Chicago Children's Museum, Chicago History Museum, Jusabo Black History Museum and Education Center, Chicago Academy of Science, and Peggy Novart Nature's Museum, Illinois Holocaust Museum and Education Center, Lincoln Park Zoo, Museum of Contemporary Art, Museum of Science and Industry, National Museum of Mexican Art, National Museum of Puerto Rican Arts and Culture, the Shedd Aquarium, the John G. Shedd Aquarium, and the Field Museum. So let us know. Uh, we need your name, your address, your phone number, your email, the number of adults and children in the party, the museum of your choice, and the date that you are going to attend. And this is part of the initiatives of the museums in the park. So um, this is the great museums take advantage of the opportunity uh, for you to have a great family event. So uh, also moving right along, oh, Project First Rates Apprenticeship Program Resource Center. So there are, you know, some folks that are looking at the trades. We do need tradesmen and uh, individuals that are looking at a trade, a career in trade, go to findyourtrade.org. You can learn about all different careers and all different trades uh, on that website. Finally, iCash, uh, the Illinois Treasurer.gov slash iCash. Um, uh, I've talked about this before when I was uh, stationed in California. I had bought, I think it was like a life insurance policy or something that had a cash value. I then shipped out to Okinawa, Japan, then got discharged, then got home, thought nothing of it, and uh, went on iCash, and the state of California, the funds from that um, insurance policy, because it had lapsed, got reverted to, I believe, the state of California, state of California, then took it, sent it to the state of Illinois, my, my address on record, and it was sitting there in iCash, so I got a couple extra dollars to uh, be able to take um, my family out to dinner it really wasn't that much money, but it was a couple extra bucks. So it is, um, some people think it's a conspiracy theory or, or big government or a way to, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what, um, some sort of, uh, you know, twist this system and it is something nefarious it is not, it is straight up IllinoisTreasurer.gov slash iCash. Uh, if you have a couple dollars sitting there, why not? Why not get it? Uh, check that out. And then um, if you are uh, if you are again struggling or looking, there's also the benefit access program. You need to qualify for that, and we can help you with that. It uh, allows for potentially a license plate fee discount, um, transit systems. You need to be 65 years of age or older before January 1. Um, if you are currently qualifying as disabled, you must be 16 years age or older before January 1. Live in Illinois at the time you file your application. So that's uh, illinois.gov slash aging. That's through the Department of Aging. So a lot of uh, updates today, uh, information, and um, just uh, keeping you informed of pretty much what's going on. And now, uh, what is going on? A couple other bills. We talked about bills last week that got signed into law, a large uh, range of bills. Uh, a couple bills I didn't focus on last week, which I'll focus on this week. We could focus on bills for hours. Not going to do it. Uh, I'm only on this Facebook Live uh, podcast for an hour. I really don't think you want to hear me talk for longer than an hour. Um, I don't think I have a 
that wonderful of a voice, but I try to uh, make it as interesting as possible. So uh, we, you know, the, the laws range from um, all sorts of avenues. Uh, one of the, the bills that got passed is that large music venues, they have to have Narcan on hand in case someone overdoses. Uh, and then we had another law that eliminated any mention of the death penalty in state statutes. So uh, quite a few years ago before my time, the state of Illinois eliminated the death penalty. But there was still lingering um, references in our statutes. So we had to pass a law to remove uh, any mention of the death penalty in state statutes. Uh, there was a bill from uh, Representative Amy Elk. Again, this is a bipartisan bill. Representative Elk is a Republican that makes September 17th Constitution Day at school. So uh, Constitution Day, we were talking about days. This is not till seven, uh, September, but it was a law that was passed by a Republican colleague, a friend of mine. Constitution Day celebrates the U.S. Constitution and also new U.S. citizens. So the U.S. Department of Education states that schools that receive federal funds are required to provide education about U.S. Constitution every year. But we found it wasn't quite in the school code. So we added this to the school code. Uh, we talked about this last year, but it, uh, it's worth repeating that uh, we passed a new law that school administrators to let parents know if their child has been bullied within 24 hours of learning of the incidents. This parlays with what we were talking about with regards to post-traumatic stress. Bullying causes a lot of trauma sometimes in our children, and we need to know about that. So within 24 hours of learning about the incident, um, another bill also that was passed is a new law that prohibits utilities from shutting off a consumer's electricity or gas because of overdue bills if the temperature is over 90 degrees or if there is a health watch or advisory. So uh, that's one of the things that um, we worked on with regards to making sure that um, individuals have proper air conditioning or if there's an emergency that they don't get the utility shut off. Uh, there was a bill that replaces certain pronouns with the nouns in which the pronouns refer. There is a bill that uh, we talked about this before, or I don't think we did, uh, that prevents strike. We might have that prevents striking workers from being sued for unintentional unintentional property damage as a result of a strike. Um, and then we signed a bill, uh, Senate Bill Forty, establishes requirements for electric vehicle capable parking spaces. So uh, Senate Bill Two Hundred One provides that the court may seal any foreclosure action filed during the COVID nineteen emergency and the recovery period. And then um, required, then we had another bill that requires insurance coverage for medically necessary compression sleeves. I might talked about that last week. There's a lot of bills going around. So it might've, uh, I might've been repeating myself with regards to that hundreds of bills, hundreds of bills that are, um, that have been signed that are up to being signed as well. Um, and then let's see a couple more bills. Uh, we talked about this, it bears repeating, this is a really uh, interesting bill uh, sponsored by, bipartisan, sponsored by uh, Senator Kaler, who's a Democrat in the Senate, and Representative Weaver and Houcher, who are Republicans in the House, to create a task force highlighting the history of the Underground Railroad in Illinois. Uh, that's a great law. I probably mentioned it last week. I'm going to mention it this week. Um, it's a bipartisan bill. It's going to look at historical sites, connections they may have had to one another, and paint a picture to recognize the Underground Railroad's history. I know um, I grew up in Wheaton, and there's several spots that I was told that were part of the Underground Railroad in Wheaton. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited uh, to see the uh, fruits of this task force. I know in individuals, lots of individuals don't like task forces they view that they um, have no merit. And I have to say that um, well thought out task forces, and this sounds like a well thought out task force, um, it's, they, they do produce reports and the reports get filed and they, they certainly, I think are, are well worth it. And um, there's, there's many regional landmarks of the Underground Railroad throughout the state. 
but there really is no way that uh, individuals, you and I, or, or regular folks can um, put it all together if we really want to see the impact of the Underground Railroad. Um, and so they're going to try and put all these regional areas together uh, to tell the story of just um, how long the path of the Underground Railroad was in Illinois and the lengths that abolitionists and slaves took in search of freedom. So that's a bill worth repeating on June 19th and uh, definitely um, very, very important. And then um, might've talked about this before, but again, bears repeating again, uh, when someone buys a car or a home, you get these notices in the mail, warranty, final notice, final notice, regards to warranties, protection plans, insurance, they're often mailed out by third parties. Um, to really scam recipients into providing information or buying products under, under the false premise that they have to maintain their home or their vehicle. So what uh, we had Senate Bill 1440 signed into law goes effect January 1, 2024, amends the Consumer Fraud and Deceptive Practices Act that require the senders to clearly state that their mailing is not a bill, but rather a solicitation of services. Um, just trying to, this is, people uh, like to talk about government, and this is what we do. We regulate to try to make sure people don't get scammed by these kind of information, these kind of things being sent in the mail, um, deceptive practices. That's our role. That's what, I mean, that's, in my opinion, government's role, uh, uh, definitely, um, uh, Audie put down in the chat, how do you look up iCash? You just, uh, you go to um, pretty much uh, the easiest way to do is search for Treasurer Frericks, and then he has a button on iCash on his website uh, for iCash. You can go to illinoistreasurer.gov slash iCash, illinoistreasurer.gov slash iCash. So sorry about that. Uh, Audie, if I, I mentioned it too quickly. So uh, definitely those are, um, that's where you can certainly um, look that up. So uh, thanks for commenting with regards to that. So what else is going on? Well, there's been new leadership in the house. Transitioning out of leadership was... Um, Representative Mary Flowers transitioned out of leadership at the end of the month. So transitioning into leadership and getting um, appointed uh, leadership, it was announced that Natalie Manley uh, is the new deputy majority leader. Uh, she was an assistant majority leader. And then following uh, the Natalie Manley's um, ascension to deputy majority leader is Representative Camille Lilly was appointed assistant majority leader. And uh, so congratulations to them both. Uh, not in our area, however, but um, certainly in the Chicago area with the transition of um, the new mayor in Chicago, he selected a... Uh, a current senator that um, Senator Pacino Zayas officially resigned her seat to take the position as deputy mayor for the city of Chicago. Uh, so now the local community has uh, 30 days, 30 days to fill her, um, her seat. That's the process that we have here in the, uh, in the state of Illinois. It's a process that sometimes gets a little bit um, scrutinized because the community, the precinct committee men, individuals in the um, district in which she is uh, appoints, appoints the vacancy. We do not go to a special election for reps and senators. They get appointed until the end of the term. And then um, if the person appointed chooses to run, then they have to go through the full election cycle uh, to be then elected to the position. So uh, this is the appointed uh, position. It's not in our area, again, it's in Chicago, but just so that you know, if there is a vacancy midterm, it's appointed um, or else it's a election um, at the next election, the person to hold their seat at the end of that term. 
So what else got approved this week by the governor? I talked about a couple of bills. I know we're talking about bills. We passed the bills. Now the bills have to be signed. So um, definitely that is uh, a thing that we have to look at. So uh, drones. So this came on the behest of uh, many large towns and cities that have these uh, these festivals that um, that police want to make sure are safe. We had the Highland Park Fourth uh, of July shooting, and so this uh, the bill, House Bill thirty nine oh two, allows first responders, our police force, to use drones for large events. It puts out parameters situations in which drones can be used with regards to large event, events. We also had what we call every year a Medicaid omnibus bill. We talked about Medicaid earlier today. Uh, so there is a component of it that provides health care programs for undocumented immigrants. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It's cheaper. We want to talk about saving money. It's cheaper to provide preventative services for all for individuals. Uh, rather than have emergencies and then to use emergency services. So um, so we have that component in there, which we changed some rules uh, and really scaled back the program a bit to allow the governor to manage the program uh, and stay within budget. That's the biggest thing, staying within budget. Uh, so that's what was in this bill. The program has been existing for several years in this bill. We just uh, adjusted some of the rules and gave some emergency rulemaking authority to the department. Um, what we needed to do was increase provider rates for hospitals, doctors, supportive living, dementia care, substance use disorder treatments, FQHQs, federal, federally qualified healthcare with FQHQ, nursing services for medically fragile and technologically dependent individuals. So we had to um, really uh, increase rates for that. Some individuals like to email me and, and say that uh, the spending in, of the state is frivolous. I think spending on therapies and uh, ground and air ambulance, all day services, medically complex and developmentally disabled individuals and uh, long acting reversible contraceptives are important things to spend money on. Uh, we also increased the hourly wage for home care workers in the community care program. Uh, they are now going to be provided $17 an hour. Uh, there is a shortage for home care workers, and most of them um, stated it was the low pay. So we, we did increase that. And then uh, we did give the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation the ability to license international medical graduates. So again, this is what we do on the legislature in government, and um, we provide for that. And then finally, there was signed last week prohibits library boards from banning books and receiving funding if they violate the prohibition. Uh, there's a lot of individuals that are out there now that um, want to limit the access of books uh, and uh, literary um, really works of art to individuals. And uh, I, I firmly believe in the freedom of speech and um, you know, I, I believe that engaged parents should maybe read the book along with their kid and talk about what those subject matters are rather than outright banning books. Uh, the Supreme Court. Now, that's pretty much the legislative side. We've been uh, doing some work um, in our home, in our districts and um, really meeting with people. But the Supreme Court, we talked about the three branches of government, executive branches, the governor, Legislative branch is where I reside in the House and Senate, and then the judicial branch, which is the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court issued four opinions this week, three related to criminal issues and one related to the civil issue. So the one related to the civil issue is a very interesting one, and I wanted to uh, just highlight this, and, and it's, it's something that we in the legislature are looking at, and it, it potentially could go all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. So that's where the chain of command goes. The, the Illinois Supreme Court could potentially, it could be appealed to the US Supreme Court. So the court case is the people versus Sneed. And the issue presents is whether law enforcement can compel a defendant to produce the passcode to their cell phone 
And it then implicates the Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination. So law enforcement tried to compel the individual to turn over his passcode, and the circuit court denied the motion to compel based on the Fifth Amendment. The appellate court reversed, siding with the state that it was not a violation of the Fifth Amendment. There are many amicus briefs filed on both sides, including by several states facing similar questions. So it's a lengthy opinion. It includes fascinating historical comments, content if you want to read it. The Supreme Court ultimately concluded the foregone conclusion doctrine applies to compelling production of cell phone passcodes, which means it's an exception to the Fifth Amendment privilege and law enforcement can compel a person to provide a passcode for their phone. So obviously this is a situation that is happening today, passcodes, facial recognition, the, the like. Um, so the Supreme Court ruled that it is an exception to the Fifth Amendment. Most likely it's going to uh, be um, litigated a bit in front of the US Supreme Court. That's where um, it may find its way if they appeal to the to the highest court in the nation. Now, in the judicial realm, you might not realize this, but associate judges. So there are associate judges, and there's an administrative office of the courts. If you're not aware of that, there is there is structure to our court system that is beyond the justices. So there is an administrative office of the courts. And they announced the retention of 396 of the 400 associate judges who requested reappointment. So all but four associate judges received more than three-fifth vote of the circuit judges. So associate judges are appointed based on a vote of the circuit judges. So the new term for these associates will be July 1, 2023 through June 30th, 2027. So that's a little bit of the inner workings of the court system that you may or may not have been aware of. Um, we're looking at, of course, going through the court system is the assault weapon ban. And um, many, many groups are looking at this. It became law in January 10th. It's been challenged in four separate cases in Illinois and the Illinois Supreme Court has heard arguments in May. On the federal level, there are three separate cases. Uh, there was one unsuccessful challenge. Now, this was aside from these court cases, one unsuccessful challenge to appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, which upheld the Second Circuit's decision to not suspend the law. However, we do have all these law courts, uh, law, not law courts, <laughs> all these court cases in, of the law in uh, going through Arguments on the merits of the law, the merits of the law uh, before the Seventh Circuit are scheduled for the end of June. So the only thing that was not successful was just a, um, a suspension of the law. There are other things going through that are uh, looking at the merits of the law. For those of you that have seen the signs, there was a state of Illinois grocery tax so this is uh, a 1% tax on groceries. Now, a lot of people said there wasn't a tax. Well, your local units of government can put on an additional tax on top of the state tax. Now, um, individuals get mad at the state and say the taxes are too high. But then when you talk to them, they're really talking about property taxes and local taxes and fees, not necessarily what the state uh, administers. So keep that in mind um, when you're looking at things like on the local level. There's local additional taxes on things such as gasoline that goes to pay local road projects. There's local food and beverage tax on things, which is why other you can get the same sandwich from a chain that's different prices in different areas. Local areas charge local taxes and property taxes, not the state. But the state does um, did suspend the 1% tax on groceries that does end July 1. So, um, so just so that you know, there might be 1%, 1% tax. So uh, you buy a $6 item, it's gonna be six cents, 1%. Uh, so it's uh, it ends July one. 
just so that you know. Uh, then we are looking at over the summer is the anti-homelessness initiative. So Governor J.B. Pritzker, the Illinois Department of Human Services and member of an interagency task force on homelessness and the Community Advisory Council on Homelessness, they had an inaugural Home Illinois Summit at Malcolm X College. So again, looking at a multi-year holistic approach to expand affordable housing options, looking at individuals in high-risk situ high situations, uh, provide comprehensive support for individuals experiencing homelessness, uh, also um, individuals that are struggling for mental health. Uh, can experience homelessness as well. Looking at boistering, um, you know, healthcare options, looking at helping them secure their financial stability, getting them on budgets, looking at, at um, benefits that they might not be getting because they are homeless, because they don't have a home of record, a mailbox, and then um, closing the morality gap all through the lens of racial equity with the goal of correcting racial disparity among homeless unhoused individuals as well. So uh, we're, and we're also looking at creating more than 460 non-congregate shelter units as well. So uh, homelessness is a huge issue in the state of Illinois. Uh, there are homeless veterans, there are homeless individuals, homeless families uh, that definitely need support. Now, the, the next thing that, um, just so that those individuals understand and might know about is we've been called, I know throughout my years, um, individuals, diabetics, they often ask, what do we do um, with the needles that they use? And they, they don't want to just throw them in the trash. And, and um, you know, some people put them in old um, laundry detergent bottles and tape them up and it's not really that healthy. So the Illinois Environmental Protection Agency is providing grants to units of local government. This is again, where the local government can step into play and work with the state. Units of local government can conduct household sharps collection for residents. So sharps include needles, syringes, and lancets collected from private citizens. Uh, the grant program, the Illinois EPA will reimburse grantees that operate a sharps collection station for collection and disposal costs they incur. So they have to fill out an application for this, Applications for the Residential Sharps Collection Program will be accepted June 13th through July 28th. So they need to apply for that and show that they have a program that will help individuals dispose of these in a safe manner. Uh, so, and then the EPA, currently still talking about the EPA, we got some funds from a Volkswagen settlement. The Illinois Protection Agency is awarding 10 companies to build 87 new public plug-in stations that will have 360 or 387 fast charging ports. So the initial wave of charges announced by the Illinois EPA is being paid for in part by the state's share of the nationwide settlement with Volkswagen. So uh, we are looking at doing that. We talked about partnering with the Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. Uh, Dolly Parton's Imaginary Library includes a book gifting program that mails free high quality books to children from birth to age five, no matter the family's income. Through the Imagination Library program, children have seen a 29% increase in kindergarten readiness. So that's a good thing. And then finally, if you tune into WTTW, they do have some fine um, segments about Illinois. And um, so if you tune them in, WTTW set out to explain why Illinois has the most units of local government in the country with nearly 9,000. If you include general political uh, subdivisions, cities, counties, townships, special districts, uh, such as SSAs, uh, special districts for airports, museums, roads, bridges, water reclamation, school districts, school districts, um, and more. So check out that segment. I encourage you to be more knowledgeable about your state and uh, look at credible news sources. And WTTW does a wonderful job doing that. 
finally, um, what we are looking at is Lion Electric and Joliet, not quite in our district, but close to our district. Joliet's just to the south of us. Lion Electric faculty uh, is, is in the middle of a manufacturing hub, I would say, surrounded by a lot of manufacturing. Uh, and so it looks to be like a place where zero emission manufacturing wouldn't necessarily be a thing. However, it is. Uh, the state is working with them with an incentive package to uh, work with us. And the governor announced that he has convinced the Canadian company that electricity in Illinois is not just cheap, reliable, and abundant, but it's a way to be carbon-free by 2050. So clean energy was a big plus for Lion Electric, which brings the prospect of 1,400 jobs and the first new vehicle assembly plant to the metropolitan Chicago area since 1965. The facility is going to hold an official ribbon cutting in Joliet on July 21st. So that's pretty cool. I think that, um, that that's some good stuff there. And then finally, if you are in the state capitol, we do have a hallway of all the former governors with the exception of convicted Governor Rod Blagojevich. Now, um, what the reason why Rod Blagojevich's portrait is not hanging on this wall is because the state did not authorize state funding to pay for it. So if he wants to pay for his own portrait, he can very well do that. Uh, former Governor Bruce Rahner returned to the Capitol to unveil his portrait in the of his official government gubernatorial portrait is now hanging on the second floor of the Capitol. So if you do go to the Capitol, want to look at the portraits of the governor, feel free to do that. So with that, I am looking at the chat. No more. Um, we had posted the link on our chat on Facebook for the iCash. And uh, but uh, with that, that's our updates for this Monday. Again, banks and other governmental offices will most likely be closed today because it is a national holiday. And uh, with that, I hope everybody has a great week coming up. Again, if you need uh, cooling centers, uh, my, when my office is open, you can cool off there. Uh, there are cooling centers around the area to um, definitely, uh, we do not want individuals to suffer in the heat. So please find assistance. Again, there was a law that was signed into law that says that you cannot have your utilities cut off when the heat is over roughly 90 degrees, but still, if you're in the 80, 85 degree, it's still very warm as well. So please find shelter if you do not have air conditioning. Uh, everybody be safe, be well. Uh, thank you for tuning in. And if you need anything, you can always contact my office or go to ildistrict84.com. So take care, everybody, and have a wonderful week. And we will give you updates next Monday. Take care, all.